Welcome to today's Dell Technologies podcast, where we'll be talking about one of the largest challenges and opportunities for organizations in their IT environment, automation, and how Dell Technologies' new 15G servers have been designed to enable autonomous computing. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm a longtime tech journalist and regular TV and radio presenter. And to tell you more about autonomous computing, why it's important, and how Dell's latest servers have been designed for it, I'm joined by Jane. James Robinson. He's the Director, Sales Engineering with Dell Technologies. He's based in Sydney. He's been with Dell Technologies for more than 10 years, and he'll explain what's meant by autonomous computing and how it can simplify data center operations and enable organizations to innovate, adapt, and grow to accommodate changing business needs. James, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, Really looking forward to today's conversation. Well, I love this fun fact about James. In his youth, he was quite the competitive ballroom dancer. I'd love to see your moves on the floor a bit, like maybe after the show. The man is also, his, his love for the Cronulla Sharks it probably matches my love for the, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He, and he also enjoys spending his spare time up the river with his family, hopefully with a paddle. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Intel. Now, James, to set the scene, can you just tell me a bit more about autonomous computing? Like, what is it and what challenges does it help to address? Yeah, thanks, Stephen. I think um, businesses are really facing a lot of challenges at the moment. We we uh, have a global pandemic on that's causing us to look at new ways in which we engage with our customers. We have to look at how do we enable staff members who are now not within the environment anymore? And we've got a shift of working from home that is unprecedented. And, and ultimately, no one could really plan for this, right? And I think it really took us by surprise. What that really meant, though, is transformation and the need to transformation is now critical for most organizations. So being able to look at how are we accessing our data? How are we extracting insight from it? How are we then leveraging that to provide new products and services and ultimately gain competitive advantage? I'll kind of reflect on a survey that Dell Technologies you know, does regularly, and we call this the, the Digital Transformation Index. And, and ultimately what it's, it's trying to ascertain is how ready are organizations and, and at what phase are they in terms of their digital transformation journey? We, we did an update of that survey last year, and there's a couple of key points that I think is interesting to share. 79% of the people that responded as part of that survey are reinventing their business model as a result of the pandemic. So clearly very turbulent, lots of change, massive impact to how we how they're operating. 41% believe that they have the right skills and technologies to drive innovation and growth. So clearly there's a gap. They're looking for partners like Dell Technologies and others to help fulfill that gap and help them drive on their digital transformation journey. of them recognize that they need a more agile and scalable IT environment that ultimately is resilient. Clearly, we we had to respond to this pandemic. And whilst everyone has business resiliency plans, I don't think a lot of them were necessarily tested and and proven. And funny how the pandemic forced us into that, isn't it? How this is it's this is what we have to do. It's forced us to make to make think of new things, new ways of doing things. There was no choice. You know, ultimately it was adapt or or for some industries, you know, ultimately they shut down and it's terrible to say that but 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 in saying that there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel some industries went under tremendous growth you look at healthcare for example you know we we had to come up with new ways to do testing and analyze and come up with a cure or at least a, an inoculation for the for the pandemic as well as 
provide new services and capabilities. You know, I, I heard a story around a motorsporting company who ultimately was designing parts for a motorsport car. Obviously, there was no racing, so they used their engineering prowess to then look at how do we build respirators and get those out to industry right. and to different posts. It's like so, a reinvention of your skills. E exactly, right? And, you know, I think it's it's amazing to see how businesses really shifted their mindset around, okay, well, we can't do what we were really good at and we need to find a new opportunity just to stay alive. But I think that the kind of the last point I made that came from that survey was um, – is really what we're here to talk about. And I think autonomous computing is an opportunity. It's an enabler for organizations that are looking to make that change. When you think about the traditional challenges that you know we have in the IT environment, we have large silos of technology that aren't necessarily well positioned or they might be under-provisioned, over-provisioned. There's constraints around how much capital is available to spend and budgets are always under pressure. We're trying to do more with less, whether that be with our human resources or our, or our physical resources. We have this ever ongoing technical refresh cycle, which you know organizations really struggle with. You know, New technology comes out, we want to leverage it, it adds new capabilities to us, but we have all this old technology that we've got to maintain and keep up to date and it's business critical, it has to uh, maintain there. Uh, and we've got limited human resources. And, and, and ultimately, the goal behind autonomous computing is to unlock those resources and allow them to focus on opportunities within an organization that add value. And if we think from a Dell Technologies perspective, autonomous computing is a strategic vision of how we get to the fully automated data center. And there's four kind of key tenants as part of that. So that infrastructure should self-deploy, it should self-provision, it should self-manage, and then it should self-heal. And the reality is today, we don't have the ability to deliver all of that. We can certainly deliver some of that. And when we're talking to customers about how do we take them on this journey and help them get to this end state of fully autonomous infrastructure, there's really a, a continuum of five key stages. And, and I would say at the moment, we're kind of at the midpoint of this continuum. You know, it starts from very basic automation, you know, being able to automate simple tasks like how do I bring a server into my environment? How do I connect it to the environment? How do I make it become part of the environment and useful to the organization. We then start to look at how do we define policy and control and when that server arrives in the environment, how does it automatically become part of the environment? And we'll talk a bit about that later. Level three is, is conditional automation. So again, it's kind of extending that a little bit further and we then define service levels around how should a, an, a, an environment respond and how should it scale and how do we do that in an automated fashion? And to enable that, we need to start looking at analytics and artificial intelligence to then be able to make decisions around, well, I have all these resources. Are they correctly positioned and, and addressing the right areas or do we need to make some changes and, and move that around? And finally, it's that end state of full automation where essentially we're completely hands off. No one is telling the system what to do. It's making decisions as it needs and as it understands what's needed by the environment. And ultimately, we feel that autonomous computing is the enabler for digital transformation. So, James, what solutions do Intel bring to the table here? So, I think there's a couple of areas where you know Intel have some unique capabilities that you know really help in these scenarios. I think from a performance standpoint, obviously, their latest processors, uh, the third generation Xeon processors that are part of our new platform, you know, help drive a lot of these capabilities. Um, for some applications that are very memory intensive, we have the uh, Intel Optane data center persistent memory, which really uh, provides turbocharged performance to those memory intensive applications. Uh, but also as part of the, the latest uh, processor release, Intel have really improved 
uh, and brought new capabilities like AI acceleration that's now built into the chip that customers can take advantage of, particularly in those edge scenarios. That was a great explanation of autonomous computing, James, but what kind of organizations and applications stand to benefit most from autonomous computing? So I think it's fair to say any organization can get advantages from autonomous computing. You know, clearly the the biggest opportunities are in customers who have large investments in technology. As we mentioned earlier, the, the challenges we're trying to address are around unlocking those human resources from doing simple tasks that, you know, are important but uh, time-consuming to then enable them to focus on other activities within the business, right? So medium to large organizations that have, you know, large investments in service are going to benefit the most. When we think about the use cases in kind of where they're being applied, you know, these are environments that either in data centers today, you know, perhaps, you know, access to that is tricky and, you know, obviously the pandemic made that very difficult um, or it's highly distributed, right? We have technologies like edge computing, which is changing the paradigm in terms of where the computing landscape sits. It's not all in the data center anymore. It's now starting to leak out into the edge and get closer to where the data is being generated. We have VDI-type environments. So as we mentioned earlier, the, the pandemic drove us into a new way in which we work, a lot of work from home. And to enable that, we saw customers asking for huge investments in devices to obviously connect people to the environment, but also VDI-type solutions to then enable the organization to present those applications and, and the tools for those people to be effective to them, right? So so we really leaned into it, like, like like people working from home really leaned into their technology, but so, so did these businesses. Yeah, a lot with, of people with, just weren't with set these up organizations. For it. Yeah, yeah, correct. So you know, you think in in some industries, you went to the office, everything was there prepared for you. You had a desk, it had a monitor, a keyboard, and a computer on it. You did whatever you were doing for that organization. You went home. Yeah. Now at the home environment, you may have had something to you know browse the web or help your kids with school or whatnot, but it wasn't designed to be a connection point to your organization. So we clearly had to improve that. And certainly a lot of organizations struggled with that in the early days. We saw a lot of demand for new technology to help enable that. Sure. How do Dell's latest PowerEdge servers, though, support autonomous computing? So earlier this year, we announced our 15th generation PowerEdge server range. It was launched at uh, Dell World, which was in March. Uh, Dell World. That's Is that right. like a, an annual? An annual? Was it still on during the pandemic? Or was it? So it was a virtual event. Virtual event. Yep. Yeah, correct. It's a uh, an event that we uh, obviously connect with all of our customers globally. It's where we inform them around what our strategies are for the yep. year, and obviously we we use it as an opportunity to launch new products. So as part of that, uh, we announced our new PowerEdge range. There's 17 platforms that have been announced as part of that with partners like Intel, which is great. Um, but what we did is spend a lot of time with customers trying to understand what is it that you're looking for from your server technology? You know, what do you need? What's working? What isn't working? And, and ultimately what came from that is this concept of a workload-centric design methodology, right? So we're really targeting the systems we're designing and building for our customers. What is it going to do? What's its use case? And how is it going to help organizations transform, be successful, et cetera? And so just to kind of cover off the kind of the key parts of that range, so we have our general purpose range, which is the PowerEdge range, you know, various different opportunities for customers across rack tower and modular form factors. What we've also done is provided some variants of that. So we have an XS range, which is designed for customers that have large scale environments. So they don't necessarily need all the features and functions of the general purpose range. They're looking for a 
price to performance value type range, but a lot of them. So we've yep. designed a few models. There's 17 of them, so that one of them is bound to be useful. So suit, suit the rather than the 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 organization adapt to the to the product, the product can adapt to the organization. That's that's the intent, right? Yeah. And I think it's just a recognition that you know it's not a one size fits all problem. Yes. You know, certain applications require certain capabilities and features, um, others don't, right? So that was one of the new ranges we launched. We also launched an XA range, which is really around providing new acceleration capabilities. So we're thinking of workloads like artificial intelligence. Obviously, you know, it's heavily reliant on computing technology to be effective. And, you know, um, the other platform which we have launched is the XR range, which is our ruggedized range. So we mentioned Edge a little earlier and, and you know, that's obviously a new paradigm that we're trying to work out. How do we expand technology into the Edge some of those environments are, are, are pretty harsh. So, you know, temperature ranges are very high. We, we often see operating ranges in excess of 40 degrees because yeah. might be at a mining site out in the middle of WA, for example. So clearly you need a system that has more capability in that respect. Um, other, other examples of that, you know, we, we have customers that deploy these servers into ships, for example. So, you know, you've got space controls and access issues then and we need to design solutions that are fit for that so and and you have and just by the sounds but you have solutions for all those types of locations and organizations and uh, all ready to go and we've certainly expanded the range with that in mind right but i exactly. think back back to your question around how does it enable autonomous computing the innovation engine is really in the systems management capability that comes with the platforms and it's ubiquitous across all of them it's not that one range has it and one range doesn't we call that open manage is is our portfolio of solutions uh, and it starts with an embedded controller that sits in the server. We call it iDRAC, and it's really the brain enabler of the whole environment, right? So iDRAC, what is it? I is that a hack? Is that an acronym? It is. It stands. Am for, I putting you on the spot now? No, integrated <laughs> Dell Remote Access Controller. It's there a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> iDRAC. Every day is a school day. I've learned something today. But the easiest way to think about it is, you know, you think of a server administrator and the tasks they do. Think of it as a server administrator in the server now. So it has the ability to automate a lot of those tasks. It's always watching the system. It's looking for anomalies. It can respond to those anomalies. But it also enables a lot of our management capabilities. So we extend that with our Open Manage Enterprise platform, and this is essentially. Uh, a tool that uh, allows you to manage large-scale environments and and do that through uh, policy-based automation and configuration. And essentially, we now have the ability to automate deployment for customers. So when they order a new server and it comes into their environment, it can be given a profile, a configuration, it's automatically detected and then enabled. So this concept of zero touch is now very real. Uh, we can automate configuration and compliance of that configuration. So one of the big challenges in a distributed environment is making sure that you've got consistency in how those systems are configured, right? Humans are error prone. It's part of our natural behavior and we don't always do the same thing twice. So one of the things we want to ensure is as we're deploying technology out into environment that it has a consistent configuration. Uh, and then finally, obviously, the management of that then ecosystem. So making sure it's up to date, the process around that, automating that process, the other thing we are doing is we're providing a number of integrations into some you know, common application stacks. So VMware and Microsoft would be a great example here. And really what we're trying to enable there is the ability to automate the full stack of capabilities. So leveraging some of the capabilities from Open Manage Enterprise, putting that into those application stacks. So if I talk about it in the VMware sense, at the VMware level, you can now detect the system, deploy the system, configure the system, integrate it into the environment, and then bring it as part of a VMware cluster. 
But the tools are then also aware of that environment. So when we want to start doing operations on that particular service, it knows it's part of a cluster. It knows how to respond to that. It knows how that it, if it has workloads running on it, it's going to evacuate it, then do the update process and then rejoin the cluster and go back to service. But the, the goal here ultimately is consistent operations across the entire environment. Uh, and I think you know, by, if customers lean into Open Manage Enterprise and, and take advantage of some of these automation capabilities, what we are seeing is anywhere up to 85% savings in terms of the time people are spending on managing the environment. And that's really the enablement piece around how do we unlock these great resources with our environment to now focus on innovative tasks that are going to add business value. We, we, we all know how fast tech moves. It's like a raging river. It doesn't sit still. So what can we expect down the track? Like what's, what's going to be the next big thing in autonomous computing? So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we, we, we have this continuum. We're kind of at the midpoint of that process. And, and to get to that vision of full automation, clearly artificial intelligence has a part to play. And that's probably the next area that we're really looking at to say, how do we start bringing in some of these capabilities the problem for artificial intelligence is it needs data to be effective and it needs a lot of data. So today, I don't think we're necessarily collecting enough of that. So analytics is going to be a key short-term focus to start collecting that data, putting it into repositories so that we can then feed that into an AI engine and allow it to now understand the environment and then ultimately make decisions around right. how best to manage that so environment. So autonomous and then supported by AI, that's a great combination. It should be. Yeah. Um, I think it's got a long way to go and it's yeah. yet to be proven. But, you know, I think we, we are seeing it in certain industries where artificial intelligence is being used. And maybe a good example of that, you know, we have a customer that uh, is in hydroponics, right? So they're using artificial intelligence to ultimately leverage sensors that are in the environment that's looking at things like water quality and um, you know moisture levels in the soil, what the temperature is. And then say, for example, the temperature changes quite wildly. You may want to change, you know, the level of fertilizer you're adding into that particular plant, as an example, right? So, we've now built artificial intelligence programs that can, you know, watch all that, monitor it, detect it, and when it sees those particular parameters, will then make that decision automatically. Doesn't need someone to press a button. Sure. Well, that's that's what we want. We don't want any sort of Skynet situation here, do we? With the AI but still controlled by us. <laughs> I, I, ideally, yeah. We don't want it to mark us <laughs> no, as a target and no. <laughs> build machines to take us out. <laughs> That's it. Well, we hear a lot, though, about edge computing and why it's growing and the benefits, but it must take the overall cloud network architecture. It must make it more complicated. What are some of the challenges created by edge computing? So I think you, you kind of highlighted it and we've spoken a little about it already, the reality of edge is that not everyone's edge is the same. So some edges are going to be pretty small in terms of what we're trying to achieve with it. It might be in terms of just delivering some services closer to some data. For other customers, that could be micro data centers sitting in shipping containers out on a site, right? The problem for that is connectivity to those sites is really limited. We talked about cloud networking architectures. Um, we need a way to ensure that we can access those sites regularly and in some circumstances they may be completely disconnected from the organisational environment. So security obviously is a big concern in that respect. Um, the scale of those environments can be very challenging, particularly for some organisations that have lots of these sites. And so you know, you're collecting data and insight from you know, these particular edge solutions and then being able to process that and use it at the point and create, make decisions and, you know, get insight from it is, is the key. 
We mentioned security, obviously an environment that distributed is hard to manage. And obviously it's very resource intensive. So it's impractical to think that you can have an IT team that can go out to every single site that you have. So leveraging tool sets like what we've been talking about helps make that process a lot easier. So that, that we've talked about the challenges of, for edge computing, but now I'm going to bring you back to autonomous computing and so how then can autonomous computing help address those challenges? So if we think about some of the things we were talking about, being able to automatically deploy that technology when it arrives on site. So clearly it's not easy to get access to those sites. So, you know, from a Dell perspective, we can have our technician go and install the infrastructure at the location. It can then be attached to a profile. The configuration can be sent out automatically. Once the system has been enabled, then it's about monitoring it, making sure that it's within compliance. So obviously one of the big issues is physical security, right? You, you can't necessarily guarantee that in, in an edge environment. So we want to ensure that there's been no untoward or tampering with that system. And if there is, we want to detect it really quickly and then notify the right people so that something can be done or remediation can occur, right? Um, some of the other issues would be just getting a single pane of class across the environment. So how is my performance uh, or how is my environment performing? Um, do I have hotspots? Is there issues? You know, where do I need to look, right? And when you've got thousands or potentially millions of devices out there in some circumstances, uh, you want to be able to kind of find that needle in the haystack really quickly. Sure. So it's another example of autonomous computing kind of doing the heavy lifting in a lot of those situations. Correct. At the launch of the latest PowerEdge servers, we heard someone talking about the massive data volumes movie makers work with to produce today's movies that combine live action with digitally created imagery. What sort of challenges do these kind of workloads impose on systems and how can autonomous computing help them handle these sorts of workloads? So you mentioned Skynet earlier. It was actually it was <laughs> James Cameron that was with probably. Michael Dell at the launch. Um, so there you have it. And he's always pushing technology as far as it can go in his field. Correct. And you look at some of his latest movies and it's very difficult to see the line between well, what is real and what has been digitally created, right? Um, when you think about what that means from a process point of view, they're altering these frames one at a time. So you think a three-hour movie has got thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of frames. Uh, that creates a data problem first and foremost. You've got to be able to store that and then access it in a quick time manner. Um, but it needs a lot of processing power to be able to make those digital changes. And, and quite often these days we see designers that you know are working on those changes are doing it in real time. So they're making the decisions around, hey, I want to shade over here. I want to bring in some light over here. They make that decision through the tool. And it happens instantaneous. So you know, customers that are in that space typically have thousands of servers that enable that. Um, and so similar to kind of that edge scenario, albeit they're not distributed across a, a broad geographical environment, they're usually in a single data center, the same challenges exist in terms of how we manage that. So you mentioned James Cameron. Are we going to see you in the credits for Avatar 2 then for the next film? You're working on the one with him? I'd love to be. I'm a big fan of a lot of his movies. So, you well, know, good, if that opportunity exists, then I'm, I'm here, James. And he's using your tech by the sounds of it. That's great. Absolutely, yeah. I think they've um, they've been a good customer, and and certainly in well, hopefully in some of the latest productions, you know, there'll be some Dell technologies powering it. Let's change gears, though, mate. Security has never been more important. It's a big buzzword that one. Dell's latest PowerEdge servers are claimed to be the most secure in the market. Can you tell me why that is? Why are they the most secure? 
So it really comes down to, I would say, two key things. Firstly, it's around Dell Technologies as an organization and our supply chain. You know, we, we have, we've been in this market for a long time. We have developed a lot of key partnerships. Intel obviously is one of them. Um, and part of that is giving customers at least confidence that where we're getting our parts from, that, you know, they're coming to them, they're, they haven't been altered, they haven't been tampered with. You know, they can be used and trusted. And that's really kind of the big value piece there. Um, the second piece is what we call our cyber resilient architecture. And there's three kind of key parts to that. There's protection. And from a protection standpoint, we've embedded a hardware root of trust into the system. So we can then leverage that to uh, provide surety to customers that when they're downloading a piece of firmware and they're applying it to the system, it can be checked is it valid? Has it been actually released by Dell or has someone potentially tampered with that before it's applied to the system? But not only that, as you know, you think in terms of a basic management of a system, parts fail, you have new parts coming in, you want to ensure that those parts have not been tampered with either, right? So the system has the smarts internally powered by the iDrate we mentioned uh, that will check that, validate it. And obviously, if there's any issues, it will then alarm and you know, we can take action around that. The other part to the protect feature is being able to lock a system configuration. So we talked about edge and some of the challenges that that brings, being able to control that configuration, set it, lock it down and forget it is a really key feature that a lot of customers have really gravitated towards. We then kind of move to the detect part. Um, part of that is really, we've talked about managing firmware and configurations and watching that. So that's obviously a key part of that architecture being able to manage physical intrusion. So if someone was to go and tamper with the system, we want to know about it and be able to act against that. Um, and just basic alerts and logging and, you know, basic operational management of that environment. And the last piece is recovery. So clearly we can't avoid everything and there's scenarios where something like might happen, but we want to give customers the right tools to recover from it quickly, right? Yeah. Clearly these systems are supporting the most critical assets in any organization, which is data and the ability to process that data. If something happens, we want to restore quickly. So part of that is restoring the configuration of that server really quickly. So being able to have it up and running. Um, we want to be able to erase that system in an event that maybe that's the right action to take. So a couple of features there that kind of help customers sure. recover. I know the security you mentioned, it's not it's not how hard you get hit. I'm quoting Rocky now, but how hard you can get hit and keep get up again and keep going. And so keep going. security and that that be able, being able to recover is so important. So what do organizations need to do now to transition to autonomous computing? So I think three key things to think about, and it really centers around people first and foremost. Obviously, we've spoken a lot about how our team members and, and resources are tied up doing manual tasks, and the whole point of autonomous computing is to unlock that resource. Um, but we also mentioned you know, when I was speaking to you in the open around, there's that gap in capability. So we want to be able to train our people and enabling them to actually help us take us to that next point. Um, process, obviously, a lot of what we're talking about is automating processes. So we want to take those manual processes, turn them into some form of automation and stop people having to run them. And the last part is obviously technology. And that's largely why we're here to talk about that today, right? So being able to take advantage of new capabilities as they're brought to market, whether that be um, new accelerators, new processes, such as you know the new Intel third generation processes that are part of the 15G portfolio. Uh, it could be new security features. So you know as part of this launch, Intel has also brought some new capabilities uh, that are focused around security. Um, 
But I think ultimately the goal or the end goal is to unlock those resources and allow them to spend time on driving innovation for our organizations and stop managing environments and just keeping the lights on. So does this mean then that companies have to retire their existing servers and replace them with new ones? The short answer is no. I think obviously there's a lot of investment in existing technology and a lot of the tools and processes we've talked about can be applied to older systems. I think the difference will be around the capabilities that exist within that. Um, so some older systems might not have the same level of um, support for some of these features we've talked about. Obviously, newer systems bring new capabilities and that's always attractive. And if it makes sense, then um, you know, bring them into the environment and leverage them. James, it's been great chatting with you today, but what's one thing you want listeners to take away today? So I think the most important point is the journey to full automation, it's a continuum, right? So no matter where you are at today in terms of leveraging automation technologies, you need to start, right? And the best way to start is by leveraging some of the tool sets. Hopefully, you know, you're already a Dell customer and you have access to some of these. Um, but if you're not sure about where to start, then reach out and talk to us and we're happy to kind of help you along that journey. We have a lot of really great uh, capable technologists who can advise you and give you a plan in terms of how you can reach some of this automation capability. Uh, and ultimately, as those new capabilities come available, like the analytics and the artificial intelligence capabilities, start leveraging those to really you know, power the data center and, and really turn it into that innovation engine that can enable digital transformation. And that's all we've got time for today. Thank you to James for joining me here today and to the audience. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how Dell Technologies power edge servers, please visit delltechnologies.com.au. Thank you once again to our sponsor, Intel. Goodbye and have a great day.